This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 31 and 32. We got a lot of ground to cover today as we make our way through the book of Genesis, through each chapter and verse. And last week as we were studying the book of Genesis, we saw how dysfunctional Jacob's family is, was. It's bad. And the Bible has placed it there, his life, and even today, or continues through his life, to teach us about how messed up Jacob's life was, so that we might take hope because our lives and our families can be as messed up as Jacob's was. His life was dysfunctional. He started with one wife, and then he had two wives, and then he had three wives, and then he had four wives. And we ought not read Genesis and this account of Jacob and his wives as if this is the way that God had planned his life. The entire point of chapter 30 is to demonstrate that how Jacob lived caused him sorrow and everyone around him sorrow. His wives were constantly fighting over him. They were competing with one another to see who could have the most sons, to see who could get Jacob's attention. And you can only imagine that having 11 boys and eventually 12 and then a daughter, how that divided family would have consequences in their lives and how they understood their parents, how they were loved. And that's not all that's going to happen in the life of Jacob. Not only did he have dysfunction within his immediate family, Rachel and Leah constantly fighting over him. To add to this pressure, his uncle Laban, who initially welcomes him with open arms, becomes soured in his relationship with Jacob. He loses favor with his uncle Laban, so he's got trouble at home with his wives. He's going to have trouble with the man he works for, his uncle Laban. And even this week, he's going to return home to his brother Esau, who he had to flee from 20 years ago, because his brother said he's going to kill him. So you think about this in the life of Jacob, all of these things going on, the pressures which he felt. And not only did he have these pressures from his uncle Laban, Rachel and Leah and his wives, and he's going home to his brother Esau who wanted to kill him. And also the last time he had left, he had tricked his father and received the blessing. But day and night, he lives in a desert place taking care of sheep. And he'll say here that by day, he bore the heat of the sun. By night, he froze half to death because that's the way it is in the desert. And his sleep fled from his eyes. Jacob did not have an easy time. I'm going to start reading today. I'm not going to read all of 31 and 32. I want you to be able to stay with me. But I'm going to read excerpts and summarize parts of it for us that we might learn and apply to our lives what happened to Jacob, how we might live in light of that. I'll start reading in chapter 31, verse 4, and I'll go to verse 21. Jacob had Rachel and Leah called to the field where his flocks were. He said to them, I can see from your father's faith that his face that his attitude toward me is not the same as it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that with all of my strength I have served your father and that he has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God has not let him harm me. If Laban said, the spotted sheep will be your wages, then all the sheep were born spotted. If he said, the streaked sheep shall be your wages, then all the sheep were born streaked. God has taken away your father's herds and given them to me. When the, fo- when the flocks were breeding, I saw in a dream that the streaked, spotted, and speckled males were mating with the females. In that dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob. And I said, here I am. And he said, look up and see. All the males that are mating with the flocks are streaked, spotted, and speckled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you poured out oil on the stone marker and made a solemn vow to me. Get up, 
Leave this land and return to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah answered him, Do we have any portion or inheritance in our father's family? Are we not regarded by him as outsiders? For he has sold us and certainly spent our purchase price. In fact, all the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. So do whatever God has said to you. So Jacob got up and put his children and wives on the camels. He took all the livestock and possessions he had acquired in Paddan Aram, and he drove his herds to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear the sheep, Rachel stole her father's household idols. And Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean, not telling him he was fleeing. He fled with all his possessions, crossed the Euphrates, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. So God tells Jacob, after 20 years, it's time to go. For seven years, he served Laban for his oldest daughter, Leah. For seven years, he served for his youngest daughter, Rachel. And as he was about to go, after he had served his 14 years, Laban says, look, why don't you stay here and work with me? What will your wages be? And Jacob says, well, most sheep are solid color. And so he said, look, I'll serve you for the spotted or, spotted or streaked goats. And so uh, Laban says, that's good. And so apparently what happened was when Jacob took over the flocks that all the sheep started being spotted and speckled. And so Laban comes and says, well, you can just have the spotted ones. And so they were all spotted. And he said, well, you can just have the streaked ones. And then they were all streaked. And so every time he changed Jacob's wages, the Lord was with him so that Jacob's flocks grew and Laban's flocks decreased. And this started making Laban upset. And in fact, this story here parallels the story of Isaac. If you'll recall, he goes into the land of Abimelech, Isaac. And as he starts to prosper, the Philistines get jealous of him, and he has to leave as well. And if you'll recall, it also happened in the life of Abraham. As he and Lot prospered, their herdsmen began to quarrel, and they had to separate from one another. So through their prosperity, God is actually setting them apart. They can't be with the people of the land. Now, I don't know what the direct application of this is, but I will say this. If you excel at something... And God blesses you, you might expect that people would rejoice with you, but that may not be the case. It could be that as you are blessed and excel at things that people become jealous of you. And also another thing to think of that might be unrelated to your success, sometimes it is just time to go. Time to move on. It certainly was here in the time and the life of Jacob. And so Jacob is beginning to have problems here with Laban. He knows he's got to go, and he just takes off. Now, remember, remember I said that he had dysfunction inside of his family. He'd been serving with his uncle for 20 years, and he sneaks out like a thief. That sort of gives us an indication of the sort of relationship that he had with Laban or what he thought about him. And I understand Laban's upsetness, I guess that's a word, when he finds out that his son-in-law has left, and we'll see that what happens is when he hears that they've left, he pursues him. And this is going to begin Jacob's wrestling. And I want you to think about what I'm trying to build for you here is a picture of Jacob, a man who is about, who absolutely everything in his life for the last 20 years has not gone the way he planned. And everything that he has tried to do has failed or caused him problems. Even when he succeeded, it caused him problems. Think about that. He succeeded in stealing the blessing from Esau, didn't he? He tricked Isaac. He dressed up like Esau and went in there and fooled his father. It worked, but did it? It cost him 20 years outside of his country, and his big brother wanted to murder him. 
So he was successful, but not successful. He goes and he serves Laban for seven years. He's successful. He winds up with Rachel. I mean, excuse me, he winds up with Leah. Instead of Rachel, has to serve another seven years. He winds up signing serving 14 years for his wives. He thinks that will make him happy, but his wives constantly fight. Then they start giving him his uh, their female servants to be wives so that they can bear children by them, and it is just a mess. And now God has prospered him for the last six years as he's taking care of Laban's flocks. He thinks things are going my way. Every time I have a speckled one, every time I have a streaked one, my flocks are increasing, things are going well, and then Laban starts hating him so that he has to sneak out after serving 20 years and run away. That is not good. I'll start reading in verse 22 of chapter 31. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. So he took his relatives with him, pursued Jacob for seven days, and overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. But God came to Laban there amen, in a dream at night and said, Watch yourself. Don't say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. When Laban overtook Jacob, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban and his relatives also pitched their tents in the hill country of Gilead. Laban said to Jacob, Now imagine, this is a father whose daughters just snuck out at night and all of his grandchildren gone. What have you done? You have deceived me and taken my daughters away like prisoners of war. You have deceived me, and why did you secretly flee from me, deceive me, and not tell me? I would have sent you away with joy and singing with tambourines and lyres, but you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters. You have acted foolishly. I could do you great harm. But last night the God of your father said to me, Watch yourself. Don't say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you've gone off before you, because you long for your father's family, but why have you stolen my gods? Jacob answered, I was afraid. For I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. If you find your gods with anyone here, he will not live. But before our relatives point out anything that is yours and take it. Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen her father's idols. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, Leah's tent, the tents of the two concubines, but he found nothing. When he left Leah's tent, he went into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken Laban's household idols and put them in the saddlebag of the camel and sat on them. Laban searched the whole tent but found nothing. She said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord. I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. That's the good stuff you came to hear on Sunday morning preaching, right? So Laban searched but could not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry. He was incensed to charges. What is my crime, he said to Laban? What is my sin that you've pursued me? You've searched all my possessions. Have you found anything of yours? Put it here before my relatives and yours and let them decide between the two of us. I've been with you these 20 years. Your ewes and female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams from your flock. I did not bring you any of the flock torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. You demanded payment for me for what is stolen by day or by night, and there I was. The heat consumed me by day, the frost by night, sleep fled from my eyes, for 20 years in your household I served you, 14 years for your two daughters, 6 years for your flocks. You have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction and my hard work, and he has issued the verdict this night. How do the family relations look to y'all 
at this point in time. Now, this is us looking from the outside in, but if you're there, this is really awkward. This is not a happy time in the family. This, remember, is Jacob, the father of the house of Israel. The children of these women are the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those children who's already been born is named Judah, and through him will come David, king of Israel, and through him will come Jesus, the Messiah. These are the heroes of our faith. We think about that. We think of these folks as the heroes of our faith, and in some ways, indeed, they are. But if we put them up there on a pedestal, and we make saints out of them and gild them with gold, you will miss the point of the scripture. Like I said last week, these are not good people. These are people. And the entire point of God presenting them to us in such a real dysfunctional way is so that we will know that God can bless the world through messed up, dysfunctional people. These are our family. And in our behavior, we can recognize ourselves in them. This is how we are. This is the people God uses. These are the people that God blesses. So Jacob has worked for this man for 20 years and while he was breeding the sheep, by the way, he was trying all these tricks to make them breed one way or the other. If you read the, the text, it says that he put out some poplar sticks that were spotted and had them breed over that like that was going to make the sheep spotted. And he must have thought his scheme was working because it worked. And when he would change his wages, he would peel the sticks and make streak sticks and make them breed over it. And they'd be streaked. And he thought, whoa, my schemes are working. <laughs> That's not what's happening. And God lets him know in a dream, look, Jacob. It's not the sticks, bro. It's me. I am blessing you. Stop with the sticks. Stop with the, I'm going to dress up like my hairy brother Esau and trick my dad Isaac. Stop with the, I'm going to run off at night. I'm the God of Bethel. I said I would be with you. Stop this. And yet he persists. So he has a big fuss with Laban. And they decide to make a covenant that they won't hurt each other, but that they will be forever separated. Jacob is not allowed to cross over into Laban's country. Laban is not allowed to cross over into Jacob's country. Laban gathers a bunch of stones. It doesn't say this explicitly in this text, but it's probably because Laban is still a pagan. That's why he has household gods. That's why he's worried about them. And in fact, if you look carefully in the scripture when he's talking, he says, your God, the God of your father, Isaac. So Laban sets up a bunch of stones. Isaac erects one stone because his God bears witness and his God is only one. Even in the place that they're going to name the place where they made their covenant, Jacob and Laban cannot agree. They name the place different things. And Jake, uh, Laban says to Jacob here, hey, and I think Jacob's right. I do not think if God had not protected Jacob, I seriously don't think Laban would have let him go. He gets there and he says, it's in my power to do great harm to you. That means he probably outnumbered Jacob's band. And I think that that was his intention when he got there. He was going to take back what was his. In fact, after Jacob's big speech and he says, what's yours here that you found? Laban says, the daughters are mine. The children are mine. Everything you see here is mine. Laban could not let go of the possessions that Jacob had rightfully earned. It was a mess. 
But they make a treaty, and they decide that you won't cross over here, I won't cross over there. And so off to home, Jacob goes. And the minute he leaves Laban, he thinks, Esau. I had to leave 20 years ago because Esau said he was going to kill me. I'm going to see Esau, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send one of my servants with a gift of a bunch of goats and say, Hey, Esau, I've been delayed for 20 years. <laughs> this is exactly what he said. I've, been, I've had a little mishap I've been delayed for 20 years. Coming back home, brother, just wanted to give you some goats, let you know, hey, glad to be home. This is his plan, right? Jacob, you always got a plan. And so the servant comes back and says, hey, Jacob, found your brother. Gave him the sheep, the goats. And uh, he said he's coming to see you. He's bringing 400 men with him. <laughs> yeah. So Jacob thought Laban was bad. I mean, he is caught. Now he can't go back, right? He just made a treaty. I can't go back and cross over to Laban because that'll be like an act of war. So if I go back to where I just came from, Laban is going to kill me. If I go forward, hello, I left here 20 years ago because Esau was going to kill me, and he's coming to greet me with 400 men. Like, does it take 400 men to say hi? So put yourself in this guy's spot. He's like, I am in trouble. He is driving herds of goats and sheep. He's got little babies on camels. And in case you think, well, what's the big deal? Look, some of you couldn't get to church today at 930 because y'all got one baby and you don't even put it on a camel. How fast do you think they can get out of the desert? I wasn't, I wasn't talking to y'all. Y'all got one. I mean, it's other people too, Matt. No, don't worry. <laughs> and I think you were here on time. So y'all don't look at him, even though I pointed him out. So, yeah. It's, it's really tough. He's like, I cannot escape 400 men coming out to greet me. So he gets this plan. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide my people up. I'm going to send some this way with their mom. I'm going to put some with uh, uh, Naphtali, and those kids are going to go with their mom, and these kids with their mom, and these kids with their mom, and these kids with their mom, so that if one of them starts getting killed, maybe the others can escape. And he also says, look, Here's 300 more goats. Y'all go and give these to Esau. And you take 300 goats and go a little behind him and you give these to Esau. Just keep giving him gifts, okay? Maybe when he gets here, he won't kill us all. So he is flipping out, as you might expect. So in verse chapter 32, verse 9, Esau has a come-to-Jesus moment. Then Jacob said, God of my father Abraham... God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, go back to your land and to your family, and I will cause you to prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two camps. Please, rescue me from my brother Esau, for I'm afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, the mothers and their children. You have said... I will cause you to prosper, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, too numerous to be counted. Now skip down to verse 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two slave women, and his eleven sons, and he crossed the fort of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all of his possessions. And Jacob was left alone. 
and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. I said wrestled, didn't I? Wrestled. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for his daybreak. But, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he asked him, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob said, name the place Peniel, for I have seen the face of God, or I have seen God face to face. He said, and yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why still to today, the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. What in the world is happening here? This is a summation of Jacob's life up to this point. That's exactly what this is. This is a man who is about to be broken by God. Twenty years ago, he set into motion a series of events that would cause him tragedy over the next 20 years. He fooled his father. He did not have to do this. God had already promised that he would rule over his older brother, but he decided to take matters into his own hands. He and his mother dressed up like Esau and fooled his father and incurred the wrath of his brother, so he ran away. And the goal was, remember the scheme, we're going to send you there so that you can get a wife. Like Isaac's uh, father went and got me from over there. Go to my brother's house, said his mother, Rebecca, and get you a wife there. So that's the plan. For a little while was the plan. Things did not go according to the plan. He picked out for himself Rachel as a wife. As you know, he's been deceived, and he got Leah. Then he had to work 14 years for Rachel and Leah. Soured his relationship with his uncle Laban. Uncle Laban come after him like he was a bandit, was going to do him great harm. Now he crosses over the river Jabbok. He's about to cross into Jordan. He's crossing into the promised land, and here comes Esau with 400 men. He's got problems at home. His wives can't get along for good reason. We're going to see that there's dysfunction even amongst the boys. They're jealous of one another. Everything that Jacob has schemed and planned to do has come to nothing, he says. I cannot win. Even when I'm winning, I'm losing. Any of y'all ever felt that way? <laughs> That's how it is in life. Maybe one day soon, now, in the past, you've had your river jabbock, where every single thing you've done has fallen to pieces. God has come and kicked out from under you every single prop you have. You had the idol of what marriage is going to be like. You've had the idol of how it's going to be to have children, what it's going to be like to go to school, what it's going to be like to go to college, to be uh, graduate top in your class. Whatever it is that you've set your mind on, all of these things turned to dust and ash in your mouth. This is what has happened to Jacob. And the Bible says a man cunned had wrestled him. It's God. That's why Jacob says at the end of this, Peniel, I have seen God face to face and yet I have lived. This is not unusual. If you remember, his grandfather Abraham also saw God like a human being. Sitting outside of his tree one day, the oak of Mamre. 
And three men came up, began to speak to him. And we turn, it turns out that that was God speaking to him. He said, I'll come back next year and Sarah will have a child. And he laughed and Sarah laughed. And God said, you'll name him Laughter. That was Jacob's father. And so the Lord comes, finds Jacob at his darkest hour. And what does he do? He contends with him. They begin to fight and wrestle. We don't know why. It's, this, it's not just the fact that Jacob physically wrestled with the manifestation of God, but it tells us what's going on in his heart. Remember his prayer? Please, God, rescue me. My brother's going to kill me. I can't go back to Laban. He'll kill me. Think of the mothers and their children, Jacob says. He is pulling out every trick in the book. Help us. And so he grabs God. And they begin to wrestle. And God throws him down. The Bible says he throws him down and dislocates his hip. Now, that's a big deal. There's some people in here who can bear testimony to how bad it is to mess up your hip. It is no fun can't put any weight on it, you can't walk, you can't do anything, you certainly cannot wrestle a grown man if your hip is out of socket. And yet, Jacob persisted. Listen to what he says. He's clinging to him, is what the Bible says. And God says, let me go. Just let go. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? Once the Son of God was... On the shores of Galilee, not too far from where Jacob wrestled. And he said, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place with me. And the people said, this man is crazy. And the crowds abandoned him. And he looked at his disciples and said, why don't you go too? And what did Peter say? Where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. And what does Jacob say in response to, let me go. I will not let you go until you bless me. This is how we survive the night at the river Jabbok. We cling to God and say, I will never let you go. Until you bless me. It's not just for you. When everything else has fallen away in your life. And you have nothing else to cling to. Then you are in a good spot. The Bible says the morning after the river Jabbok. The sun shined on him as he made his way out from that place. Finally the darkness broke and the daylight came. Jacob no longer is Jacob. His name means deceiver. That is who he has been until this night. Until this moment, Jacob has schemed and tried everything he could think of in order to prosper. And the Lord says, no more of that. You are not going to be deceiver anymore. You are going to be Israel. God strives. He is not going to be recognized as the man who tries to trick his way to the top, but rather the one with whom God has wrestled. And Jacob has prevailed not by his schemes, but by humility. He recognizes the only way I am getting out of this is if God blesses me. Now look, this is super important for us. It's important for everybody in here. Because you've either been through a dark night, you are in the middle of your dark night, or you are headed for one. 
No one, no one who is a child of God escapes this life without a dark night of wrestling with the Almighty God. Nobody. No one will get out of this life until you realize there is no other thing. I cannot even stand on my own two feet because God has put my hip out of socket. My only hope is to cling to God. You want to learn how to pray? That's where you learn how to pray. You learn how to pray when your kids go to college and you don't know how they're going to act and you hear they're not in church and you hear they're doing things. You go down to the dark night at the ford of the river Javik. You say, God, bless my children. Help them. Teach them. Guide them. Don't let them go. When things go bad at work, when you lose your job, when you think, my goodness, your marriage might be falling apart, or it does fall apart. And there you are, wasted, feel like you can't stand on your own two feet. The only thing we can say is, I will not let you go until you bless me. Keep striving with God. The Bible says that the one who overcomes, listen to this, the one who overcomes, I will give him a stone. And on that stone will be a name that no one knows except the one to whom it is given. Jacob is not the only one who gets renamed. Every single one of us will be changed by God to the one who overcomes. The faith of Christians, our faith in Christ, is not some, just some mystical, faraway, starry-eyed look. It is not, oh, I see some clouds, it might rain tomorrow kind of faith. Real faith is clinging to God when you have nothing else and realizing that you really had nothing else to begin with. That everything you've ever had, everything you ever will have, and every struggle that you ever go through, and every success that you ever have is because the God of Bethel that was there the night Jacob fell asleep and promised to be with him, that's the same God that's with you. And the experience that Jacob has are not unusual. They are usual. This is how God deals with his people. And so you might be wrestling with God one way or the other. You could be wrestling with God from anything to depression that's going on in your life to things that have happened in your family to your very faith itself. You want to be a son of Israel? You want to be a daughter of Israel? I will not let you go until you bless me. This is how we overcome the world. By faith, by grit, by humility, and by knowing there is no name under heaven by which men and women must be saved except through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the faith. Bless my children. Bless our town. Bless the nations. Wrestle with God in prayer. Do not give up. Ever. The reward of staying faithful to Christ is worth it.
Was Jacob a good man? No. He was just a man. He wrestled with God and man and prevailed, not by the might of his strength, but by humility and faith. He prevailed because God broke him. He prevailed because God made him someone new. And the old man dies hard sometimes. It is my prayer for us, for myself this morning, that when your dark night at the river Javit comes, that you'll know that you're not alone. That in that place, God shows up. And if you will cling to him, you might see the glorious daybreak. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning that you will help us. We are a people.